just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by Bloke Beer. Get in your local celebrations, liquor legends, Bottolo, IJ Plus Liquor, Porter's Liquor, you name it. We've got a store locator on our website, www.bloke.shop. We've got merch, we've got everything. But I want to get that out of the way because I've got the great Mark Boris here. How you going, brother? G'day, mate. How you going? Mate, by the way, where is it? Get in India. Oh, 100%. Where's where the camera? Where it is? <laughs> get in India. Get in India. Absolutely, mate. Um, yeah, I, I've got the great Mark Boris here, but what I'm, uh, I guess, very proud to say is a friend. A friend here. Sweet. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to be here too, mate. Thanks, mate. Thank you for coming. Now, for people that don't know, Mark Boris uh, is one of the leading, I guess, financial... What would be the advisors where you kind of put yourself forward to, I guess... Give your opinion on the financial state of Australia and that that position you have earned via success in business. So you obviously had the huge success with his loan and then progressively moved on. What would you call yourself today? Mm, an old bastard uh, <laughs> who's been around, I guess. Um, and I, You're right, I've had some success. Uh, I'm probably why people like to listen to me is because I've seen it all. I mean, I've seen all the cycles. I've seen GFCs. I've seen, um, you know, uh, recessions in Australia. Going back to the 80s, um, I've worked in accounting firms as a partner, law firms as a partner. Um, you know, I've had some big names as my business partners and still do today. So I've probably much seen my, most things. So therefore, on a history basis, I can sort of look at what's happening at the moment and sort of adjust it for what I've seen in the past and let's call it make a prediction or at least make people feel a bit calm mm. that the world's not about to cave in. Incredible success in business. But you actually also almost have a, uh, a, a love relationship for rugby league in regards to you're a chairman. I'm oh, sorry, you're a director on the board for the Roosters. Yeah, 20 years this year. 20 years I've been on the board uh, uh, with Nick as our, Nick Politis as our chairman. Yep. Um, I've seen lots of directors come and go. Uh, seen lots of different superstars in the, that period of time. Yep. And, uh, and, and actually, was, I was a sponsor of New South Wales for a long time, mm. the Wizard um, um, brand we sponsored them for 10 years mm. um, that was a great experience I love that and yeah. it's state of origin time it's one of my favourite times of the year well what's funny is that I believe Wizard Loans on the front of the jersey is similar to Forex for Queensland I don't know there's this nostalgia that you, you reckon yeah, okay. it's that nostalgia and I don't, it just looks it looked right yeah, it's funny. You're right. It's funny. Uh, today I um I did just with one of my son, my older son today, and he turned up in a, a state of origin jersey had wizard across the front of it, and uh, and I haven't seen one for a while. Um, yeah, I, it sort of sticks. It's funny. It's a funny. I I think because then I think what happened was, uh, Tui's pulled out in the Super League War, and uh, and in '98, uh, New South Wales was going into the to the game without a sponsor. Wow. And it was um. I think I I got the sponsorship like literally two weeks before the game started. In fact, you couldn't buy a jersey with Wizard on there if you went to the store to support um, New South Wales. And we just got the Wizard stuff sort of put across the players' jerseys. So mm. we're going to have 26 jerseys and we got them across there. Um, so it was only two weeks before the game started, the, the actual Wednesday of the game. So, yeah, and we stayed there for 10 years. So we're one of the longest sponsors, I think, ever. Um, mm. Two is was longer. But then it went VB and blah, 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 a whole lot of different sponsors. But mm. we're probably the longest standing sponsor of a name that no one knew about. Never yeah. ever heard of the bloody joint. Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's it's funny when you – with business, like obviously I'm an infant in business, an infant. But when you try to explain to someone what was it, what was that thing, that thing that made – this idea or this vis visual piece of business or brand, what made it different? It's hard to really put into words, isn't it? Well, I think I think actually the state of origin was a huge part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, some people say it was a brilliant piece of marketing, but, in, you know, I didn't sort of sit down and <laughs> plan it. It wasn't that brilliant. In hindsight, it was. <laughs> but um, And I'll cop it sweet if they want to say it was brilliant. But <laughs> it wasn't something I planned. Like mm. it was just one of them opportunities. I was around the right place at the right time. Um, and uh, Colin Love was the uh, chairman of the New South Wales Rugby League at the time and um, he was a friend of mine. I talked to him and I said, mate, I'm not going to pay you the money that Tui's pays you. I can't afford that. Mm. So I locked in a 10-year deal um, and I think that was a huge part. But a huge part of our brand was the fact that um, Aussie was out there making a lot of noise and I sort of to some extent it's better to have two parties in the market going against the banks. So – 
if John had done on his own, I don't think he would have been anywhere near as good. If I'd done on mine, I've never done been anywhere near as good. Put mm. together, we sort of formed a sort of a, an indie, mm. indie banking or an indie alternative way of getting your lending done. And I think that is what built the brand. Um, we were first in the marketplace. We did it together. Um, it was the first time anyone really took on the big banks. On top of that, we, you know, John's an unbelievable. Aussie was just an unbelievable brand. John was an unbelievable um, spokesperson and brand ambassador for Aussie Home Loans. And, uh, and together we just played a great game. I mean, we, we just carved them up, to be honest with you. It's, it's much harder today, though. Mm. Banks are smarter. Yeah. And they're not as arrogant. Um, well, they don't appear as arrogant. Um, but they're much better organised today. They, they don't dismiss people like me anymore. They used to just dismiss John and I. <coughs> but today they learned the lesson. They won't dismiss us. Yeah. So therefore, which in fact is a bad thing, I'd rather them dismiss me. Yeah. Because I can sneak up on them. Yes, absolutely. I mean, like how many times, if I give it a rugby league analogy, how many times you've seen a player have an unbelievable season, like you think, my God, the guy's got you know, funnel webs on him. And then the next year, everyone's worked him out mm. and he, they don't let him get away with it. Yeah. And uh, that's sort of what happened with us. You know, no one knew who we were. We had funnel webs on us. We just took as much market as share as we possibly could. But uh, as each year progressed, um, everyone worked us out and uh, everyone being the banks. And uh, they worked out our weak points and how to sort of go against our strong points. You know, at the end of the day, they got more money than everybody. They got more money than God, the banks. And uh, they're always going to outperform you mm. how did you get involved in the roosters yeah was it back in um 2000 uh i i was a uh, so I, I grew up in the i grew up in punch bowl went to school in lakemba and um i was a, a canterbury supporter in the early days and played rep footy down there mm. out there and um but then when i was 17 i moved to the eastern suburbs to go to uni and uh moved to bondi actually and um I lived there and I've lived there, lived there ever since. I've lived there, you know, most part of 50 years of my life so far. Was this before rent was $1,000 a second? Yeah, my rent was 40 bucks a week. Oh, no. <laughs> 40 bucks a week. And I, I had a little little one bedroom, or well, actually one room apartment above. This guy was in Bondi. This guy was this famous bodybuilder. His name was Paul Graham. There was a gym like in a basement below me. And uh, I lived in this sort of old bondi building sort of thing and then out in front of my window was a bus stop and there was the, his sign which was a big purple uh light paul graham bodybuilding something like that and it used to shine in my house <laughs> and he went on at night and he shone in the bus used to then that would keep me waiting the buses keep me waiting there all night but but i know i lived there when i was from about 17 and what happened was i mean i sort of lost touch with footy a bit mm. and i started playing i started playing footy at, at the university in um i played um in second division mm. at the university of new south wales and um, you know, we, in those days, you used to play against teams like Newdown and Ride and Ride Eastwood and all those sorts of things. And what ex players used to leave first grade, mm. I was eighteen, and they go and play second division, and they punch the shit out of you. Um, <laughs> these guys are like 31, 32. And when you're eighteen, thirty one, thirty two, that is a Massive. big difference. It's huge difference. Yeah. And they're men. Well, yeah. I wasn't. You know, we weren't men. <clears throat> we're just students. And uh, and uh, it was like just. All in brawls, no videos, no proper refereeing. Everyone was sort of standing on the sideline, and uh, I, and that was sort of my own exposure to footy. And um, and then I used to go to some games. A couple of mates of mine playing were playing for Kenry uh, uh, Bankstown mm. first grade. A few went to, on to play Origin. Graham Hughes, those guys. Um, mm. And uh, I sort of followed them more as nostalgia. But it, access to television wasn't as easy. I didn't have a TV. Access to the games, you had to go to the game. I didn't have any money. You have to pay to get in. Um, so it wasn't like now where you can yeah. bloody you know watch on it, you know, whatever K or whatever you got, um, and just your device if that for that matter. But so then I just uh, sort of faded away from it a little bit, and then the Super League War started, and uh, that I didn't like that part. Okay. I, I was pretty unhappy with the Super League War starting, and uh, and I decided that in Canterbury, if you remember, went on the News Limited side, went mm -hmm. on the Murdoch side, and um, I was living in the East suburbs in Bondi. And I just decided, that's it, I'm, I'm going to ditch Canterbury, I'm going to go for wow. Roosters because I've been here most of my life. Mm. And, um, and then I started going to the games and, I, and I, I knew Nick and I knew David Gingell really well. Gingell's a great, great mate of mine. And, um, and then Ginge and uh, Nick one day put it to me, do you want to join the board of the Roosters? We've got some vacancies. And, 
I said, okay, and, and I, that was I did that with a guy called Peter Newton. Peter, talking Newton and I, who were mates for a long, long time before even uh, met Nick, um, were both joined the board around the same time wow. back in um, the early two thousand period. Yeah, doesn't it? it I think. Because it's so far away, the Super League, the impact on fans yeah, yeah. that that had. It's, totally. Uh, I would say it's irrecoverable because the game is in such a strong place, but how many fans would have been disillusioned from the game, you know? Well, well, I, for me, it was great because in 98, I took up the sponsorship of New South Wales. Um, yeah. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> it was perfectly for me. And then, and then, I, and then and a little bit after that, I, I joined the board of the Roosters and, mm. um, and I've been involved with rugby league ever, ever since and yeah. Um, yeah, at a, an administration level. Mm. And I love doing it. Um, you know, it's a we don't none of us get paid, and you know, it's it's not a you don't do it for money. Um, we do whatever we can to support the club, the teams, the players. Um, we all have different roles. Um, we have a foundation, a Roosters Foundation, which we're all most of us involved in the, at the board level. We you know, had to make some donations and uh, kick it off. Mm. Um, you know, we're getting seeing young kids come through the academy. Um, you know, we see young young boys become men, mm. Mm. see them get married, have families or, and, you know, run businesses or change their lives around. Uh, it's quite um, fulfilling, to be honest with you, mm. apart from the going to the games. Yeah. Was well, that, that new stadium, is that Rooster Stadium or is that? Rooster Stadium, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. You're talking about the new Rooster Stadium? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Well, but, but look, there was, we played a massive role in getting that through, mm. um, happening, um, you know, we're, we're obviously one of its major tenants. Mm. Um, we've got a really long-term um, hirers agreement there. It's yep. going to see all of us out, all of us board members out, definitely. Um, and it's a great place for us to have our um, centre of ex excellence. Mm. Um, but also in the SCG, we've got the um, mm. we've got the girls' team now, mm. um, the NRLW team, and uh, we've our old uh, shed that we were using during the period that. Um, they'll pu they pulled down our old headquarters and they to build the, the new stadium. Um, we we had a, a, a shed. We decked it out. It's a really good shed. Um, it's not a shed. It's a you know proper demountable with gyms and mats and everything inside. And uh, you know administration office upstairs. That upstairs. That's now for the women. And uh, and now we have a lot to do with you know with the women. And we we're really proud of where the women are going. Mm. Uh, take us back to obviously young fella went to uni, but I want to know the story of the creation of Wizard Loans and how did you get to the point where you thought, because me being in my early journey, only like what, let's say five years in, in business, it's almost as if I, if I knew what I'd have to go through now, <laughs> I probably would have been too scared. Yeah, yeah. And so the naivety got me across the line to start it and now yeah. I'm in it, I'm in it. But what was the initial point for you with Wizard Loan? Um, well, the, the Wizard business um, came about um, when I was in my late thirties, um, what happened was that uh, early and early forties. What happened was um, I was doing a property development, um, house land packages with my business partner um, down the Southern Highlands, and we bought an old school site from the government, state government, and it w there was no school there. It was just a site they were going to put a school on mm. and uh, access to the knees. So they put up for auction. And we bought it, but we had um, we bought it subject to getting approval to build houses on it mm. and uh you know, those things take a year or so and um when we got the approval to build the houses we had to settle and we'd only pay 10 percent deposit and um we had to come up with the 90 percent. and normally what happened was in those days is in in regional areas um which we did a lot of stuff in regional areas we would borrow the money from what was called in those days the rural bank of new south wales mm. um and uh Nick Whitlam became the chairman of that bank and changed the name to State Bank of New South Wales. And we opened up an office in the city and decided to make it more, uh, like, more like a normal bank, not just for regional areas. And as a result of that, they didn't want to lend us the money to settle. So we were pretty much uh, crapping ourselves. Because, you know, we only had like a short period of time to settle and we had to find whatever amount of money we had to find. We didn't have it, you know, because that's not the nature of a developer. You borrow it. And uh, so... Someone said to me, who worked for us in our construction business, she said to us, look, I've got a friend who's a mortgage broker and I'd never heard of a mortgage broker mm. ever in my life. Yeah. I never dealt with one. And uh, I said, oh, yeah. And she said, he can fix it up for you. So he comes along and uh, three weeks, stitched up a loan, Commonwealth Bank, lent us the money, we settled. Uh, he arranged the money for us to build a few of the houses. It was, so we did the subdivision. I think it was 30 
lots of land. We put the roads in, all the stuff, infrastructure, built a couple of houses, sold them, and away we went. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty good business, that. Like, uh, th these guys are cool. So I went and met them. Mm. And Aussie was up and running at the time. And uh, I knew John quite well. And uh, I was watching what the Aussie thing was doing. And I have a master's degree in um, what they call capital markets. And um, I was watching what John was doing. And I s could see how through his business partner, which was Macquarie Bank at the time, they were accessing the capital markets to give him a balance sheet to lend money like the banks do. Mm. So I thought, I understand this territory, um, not in practice, but in theory, um, I reckon I could do it. So I went to these guys, they said, listen, I reckon you guys are really good on the ground. I reckon I could put you in the same position as Aussie. You need to change your name to Wizard. I, I made the name up, I said, yeah, come man. up with a name called Wizard. Um, and, uh, but I want to buy in. So I, I sold my house. Mm. And, wow. I, and, and I bought in. Did you have a, a f kids and family? Yeah, 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 yeah. By that stage, I had, uh, I had four kids. Oh. The decision to sell your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is all in kind of stuff. I sold my house. To, uh, yep, sold my house. And, uh, and we rent and, went and rented a joint. And it was like the dream house. Like it was our house that, you know, I'd accumulated enough money and whatever. So I sold that, put that money into the wizard business um, to help fund it. For example, the 250 that I paid for the state of origin sponsorship, mm. that came from the sale of my house. <sighs> and uh, so it was all in. What a play. Like Freddie, all in. Oh, and, what uh, a play. And, and uh, yeah, so like, yeah, that was sort of what I did in the late 90s. And, um, and then, but I knew it was sort of, sort of a pretty good idea because we're in a rising tide, like I always say, like, you know, invest in rising tides and lending money to people to buy homes is a, always a rising tide in Australia, although not at the moment because mm. things are down, but normally it's a rising tide. There was a lot of money around to lend to Australians. Australians always want to buy houses. Interest rates had, at that period had come down from really high rates down to quite quite low rates, like relatively speaking, because interest rates used to be in the early 90s in the 16, 17s, 18s percents. Now they come down about 6% and it was – uh, but house prices hadn't caught up. So you had a low interest rate environment, lower interest rate environment, but house prices hadn't adjusted upwards. Okay. So I knew that was the right time. Mm. So I, I basically had a bet. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and had a wife who understood um, and, uh, you know, had to keep placating the family, making sure everybody was okay. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, he, Kerry Packer came along. And yeah. uh, he didn't come along, but, you know, he was interested in the sector. He also saw this as a rising tide and mm. uh, thought he, he wanted to invest in something that was already established. And so was it – you make it sound like put the money in, it happened. It wasn't that easy. <laughs> was there any times of, of genuine struggle of like, am we gonna pay, are we going to pay payroll? Are we going to make this? Are we – our cash flows – Terrible at the moment. Was there any moments like, like that? literally every day? <laughs> um, in the beginning, I, I, up until the period that the Packer family invested, pretty, pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure I could grow faster in terms of more volumes, but I need to spend more. Mm. So it was always this question: Do I spend? Can I afford to spend in order to grow, or do I grow first and then backfill with the spending? Or I mean, it's, I, I remember one day, somehow I don't know how it happened, but we got um, a, a little segment on the current affair and it was about our interest rate. And, uh, and this is a time when, you know, like today it's different, but those days no one ever took on the banks. And so we're an upstart, okay? So current affair did this little thing and it went, went for four or five minutes and our phones melted down. Literally, we couldn't handle the inquiry we had for us. Like 800 inquiries in a week was like, we might get eight in the old days or 10, mm. that period. Um, 800 we got and we actually burned a lot of people because we just couldn't get back to them yeah, well, yeah. and uh and the question always then was well should we have invested a whole lot of money before we went on that uh, current affairs show mm. i learned a lot of lessons from that period um we didn't have the money anyway to invest but i guess the show got put in front of you you're going to do it mm. you mm. just say well stuff it i'm going to do it anyway mm. and um that old spray technique you know it works and um you got you'll get someone yeah and um yeah and we made a lot of mistakes, mate, like so many, which you probably wouldn't get away with today, but we made a lot of mistakes. We burned a lot of our own money, but we were lucky, and it is luck, I'll be honest with you, um, timing and luck that someone like Kerry Packer came along and invested in us. Now, there must have been something in us that he saw that he liked because he could have gone to Aussie or Rams. In mm. fact, he was going to go to Aussie. Um, maybe we were cheaper, perhaps, um, 
maybe he saw something in the name like you said earlier. He, might, he just might have thought that's a bloody good name. I remember James thought it was a great name, mm. James Packer. Um, I personally love the name. It's a great name. name. Yeah. It still is a good name, by the way. Actually, today the name is owned by CBA. Oh, really? So when when Aussie and CBA bought the old wizard business from GE back Mm. in just before the – during the GFC, Mm. um, they closed the name down. And what I mean by that is they changed all the wizard branches to become Aussie branches, but they mothballed the name. And when CBA sold uh, Aussie – a couple of years ago to a mob called Lendy. CBA is still a big shareholder in that whole group. They didn't, still didn't sell the wizard name. They kept it. Yeah, wow. It's, a, and I, it's probably not because they want to use it, but they just don't want to release that name for anyone else to use yeah. it because they know it's a good name. Absolutely. I've tried to buy it back a few times, but um, to no avail. Uh, I, I love the name. I just I can't tell you what it is about the name that is so indented into mine and other people's memories. I just mm. don't know. I, I love the fact that just a, a person like me that isn't as educated in finances, yourself and the people you work with, for me it's like I want it to just be magic. I don't want – I don't know what's going on. Just tell me what needs to happen yeah. and I can take care of it. And that's what I love, the connection between Wizard and – Yeah, and I always have sporting connections. And, you know, because, you know, we have – if you remember Wizard um, who played for the Roosters, the halfback, mm. uh, the New Zealander who played for us, Gary – Gary's second name has lost me. I remember just remembering him as Wiz. And then there was uh, lots of blokes who had the nickname Wiz and AFL as well. So, you know, football wizardry is a thing. Mm. Uh, financial wizardry is a thing. Yeah. And uh, the newspapers had a ball with it because it was a great headline for them. You know, like, I yeah. remember one time the AFR, the Australian Financial Review, led with one headline. It said, uh, Wizard leads with magic rate. Oh. You know, you just playing into their to their head and their titles yeah and and they really like that because that helps them sell papers yeah. yeah i didn't know that at the time when i picked the name but that's just how it how it rolled out yeah wow yeah i mean it's, it's, as as you, as we said earlier like there, there's this intangible thing that if you tried to measure it and explain it but it just all seemed to come together and just work sometimes perfectly. they work like yeah. virgin is a good example like perfect example. you know like you you know i at the time when virgin came I mean, there's no way in the world i would have called something virgin um <laughs> but like now it's just synonymous like mm. it's it's okay we know what it is it's yeah. richard branson it's on the airplanes it's everywhere um it's just another word that it's just one of those words that works and wizard was just one of those words that really work mm. uh and the, the time the time come to well not the time come to sell but pack comes in I've had a little bit of experience in, you know, you're, you're raising capital and that, and you probably were, uh, way, well, not probably, you definitely way more business savvy than I was when my first kind of interaction with it. But for me, it's a very like nervous time, a very paranoid time, but at the same time exciting. It is a strange feeling. What was it like for yourself? And um, it's stressful in lots of different ways, good stress and bad stress. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're talking about the time when we sold to General Electric um, or, or indeed the time when I, I got someone to come in as an investor, which was Packer. Mm. Um, those periods are extraordinarily, ex- extraordinarily stressful because on one hand, you want, really want it to happen for mm. all the right reasons because it's going to help you expand your business, grow your business, et cetera, and or you're selling the business because you're exiting. But on the other hand, you don't want to give in because mm. um, you have views on what your thing is. You, you love – you become emotional. You love your business. Yeah, um, it's, uh, It defines you. Yeah. It's who you are. Absolutely. And, uh, and as a result of that, you become – it's nearly like it becomes a pet. Yeah. And, um, and as a result of that, the value of it becomes extremely important to you. Therefore, if you feel as though someone's trying to screw with you on the value, mm. you get a bit weird. And um, what you've got to do is you've got to remove yourself from that position um, at the end of the day and just take the view, well, if I think it's a good idea to have someone like um, – Channel Nine involved in my business, then maybe I've got a cop at suite the the price they're prepared to pay if it's still not equal to the price I want, mm. and just bring them in in and then together we'll make it worth much more. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to selling, well, if you decide you want to exit for whatever the reasons are, then the price is the price, and you can try your best to get a little bit more, but you run the risk trying to get a bit more that you blow the whole deal up. Yeah. And these big investors, especially these big hedge funds or um, you know, massive investors like General Electric was and is, um, they got choices. 
mm. and never underestimate them about their choices. Yeah. And they'll say, well, that's the price. We'll walk. And if they say you're going to walk, I don't think you should call their bluff. Okay. If, it's the, if, if you're really deep in the deal, yeah. I, I don't think you should call their bluff. Mm. Um, if it's close enough to the price you think you want, yeah. then cop it. Just cop it and just yeah, go. Yeah, because if you think, oh, I'll get 10% more from someone else, you know, there's an old story in, 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 um, in Greek tradition. It's about a ski lucky dog. He's walking up the uh, the bridge, a small bridge, no no walls on the bridge, just like a, a bridge like that. He's walking along, he's got a hunt bone in his mouth. He's very happy, very happy with himself and the bone. He's wagging his tail and he just stops to, for a moment at the top of the bridge to reflect on how happy he is and how proud he is. He's got this big bone about to eat it. And as he does, he looks over the side of the bridge and, and the water's dead calm and still like glass. And he sees his reflection. He sees another dog with a bone <laughs> and he thinks you know they wouldn't mind having a, se- a second bone and he goes to get and guess what happens yeah so just be happy with what you got yeah wow and is that is that the thought process so initially when packer came in was it a different thought process to exiting um not really um it what well, yes because i'm trying to bring someone in to invest give me funding so i can expand the business yeah. the objective is different but the thought process is not Basically, the thought process is don't be greedy. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's better to have 50% of a bigger business than it is to have 100% of a smaller business. Yeah. Yeah. And I just took the view, Packer was, and you know, and not just him, but it's actually not even him, it's all these people yeah. and all these um, properties, uh, media properties I'm talking about. We're going to make it a, a bigger biz- business, a much bigger business. Yeah. And I had to back myself yep. and just back yourself, Mark, that should be able to leverage what he's offering mm. using his funds. You'd be able to leverage yourself to turn this into something being much more valuable at the end of the day. Mm. And so, yeah, that, that was, so that was my, th- my mindset is probably that is the same. My mindset's the same. Yep. The way I go, the reason I'm doing it is different, but my mindset the same is that you've got to sometimes just take a step back, don't be too greedy and remember what your objective is. Yeah, it's um, as I said, it's it's such a, a bizarre kind of situation, and you got this like create baby that you're creating, hold, create, like holding to your chest, but at the same but time, but it's not your baby. It's exactly you got to kind of like, well, it's only ever going to be mine. It, it has to be everyone's eventually, because oh, that's the only way we get to. Scale. I don't think we can possess those things, Den, and I think that's the issue. And I had to struggle with that, but it's it's not a possession. It's not something you can possess, mm. and it's like your kids. Mm. You can't possess your kids. Mm. Um, You've got to give them wings, mm. teach them to fly. Yeah, that's a great point. That's about it. Yeah. Um, and let them go their own journey. Uh, when it comes to your your business, it's the same. You're just really giving it wings. Mm. I mean, you've got to sure you're gonna you're gonna um, manage it and be supervising it and etc. And at some stage, you've got to let it fly mm. one way or the other. Yeah. And others kind of come in if they think you're doing a good job. They'll come in with you. Now, thinking of speaking of doing a good job, so you reportedly exit for five hundred million. Yep, well, it's a confidential agreement. I can't disclose, but that's the report. That's the report. Okay, <laughs> it's close, <laughs> mate. What is when you? Because these deals take time. They don't yeah, just go. It took seven months. Yeah, it don't, people, a lot of people that may not uh, be involved in business think that yeah, a few weeks of talking, we sign mm. the contract. These take months and months, sometimes years. But when it was finally across the line, signed, what's that feeling like? Uh, it's a, well, I don't know. For me, it's a bit, I might be a bit different than everybody else. So I'm not a very emotional bloke, okay? That's the first thing. Um, so I've got to say that. Um, some people get, you know, and I'm not a real, I'm not a social person at all. <coughs> so I had to go to New York for, for when the, the, let's call it the settlement date. Mm. I was in New York. It was the beginning of December, 2004. Um, and uh, I, because General Electric's headquarters are in Stanford, in just outside New York, mm. Connecticut, and um, and I had to uh, be on the phone at like midnight because we had to deal with Australian time as well. So um, I was just up really late, and I, I was there by myself. As, but I and I stayed in a really fancy hotel, and I'd never stayed there before. But I decided to stay in the Four Seasons Hotel in New York, which is a pretty cool hotel, and uh, and. And I sort of shouted myself because I, you know, I knew it was about to settle. Yeah. 
and uh, I'm just sitting there in my room and at like 11 o'clock or something like that at night, I had to go to these offices uptown New York somewhere. Um, I got a taxi, went there, arrived. Um, they opened the office up. It was like obviously everyone had gone home. There was some, just some people there to do the settlement with me, lawyers and agents, settlement agents, etc. And uh, I was in a sort of a vault type thing and uh, did the deal. Um, I got what I got, but basically I got a piece of paper, but the paper was, the value was in the paper, mm. if I can say it like that. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a check because they didn't give <laughs> checks away. It was a briefcase. <laughs> or a briefcase. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I knew, uh, I realised I wasn't that far away from my hotel, so I walked back to my hotel mm. at around midnight, maybe one in the morning. Uh, got back to my room. Uh, I had a beer. <laughs> And uh, I rang up the concierge and I thought, I'm going to get a New York pizza. <laughs> and um, the concierge in the four seasons gets you something 24 hours a day, doesn't matter. They're the best concierges ever. Yeah. And uh, he organised a pizza for me and I ate a pizza and had a beer and, uh, <laughs> oh, in my room and uh, went to sleep. And uh, <laughs> after that, and uh, that was it. I was there by myself and I flew back the next day. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty simple. Um, come back to Australia, to my family, and uh, yeah, I was, oh, look, it, mate, after seven months of doing that, it was a total anticlimax. Yeah. It was like, I, I was expected to get a rush or something, but I didn't. Um, to, to some extent, I was relieved. Mm. It was just a relief. It was yeah. all that argy-bargy stuff was over, and um, and then you know, I can think about what I was, what was I going to do next and uh, where do I go to from here? Mm. Uh, yeah, like, unfortunately for me, my case ended up, ended up in a divorce, um, which happened like not too far after, like six months. So I had a, my hands full all of a sudden trying to deal with that stuff. Mm. Um, and that's what, that's one of the costs, to be honest with you, of, um, you know, being so committed to your business. Yeah. Um, you know, what I was hoping was going to be something that would set my, me and my kids and my family up for the rest of my life. Um, the, as a result of the effort I put into it, um, well, probably not so much the commitment I put into it. Mm. I didn't neglected my family, and that ended up in being ended up being the opposite of what I wanted to occur. But mm. yeah, and they're, they're they're the costs of um, when you're young, especially in my case. I was only forty eight. I mean, I consider it to be pretty young in a maturity sense. Um, yeah, you, you can uh, – I probably would have played a different – I would have played it differently if I had my time over again. Yeah, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. I, I would have put – I would have been less of a rush to get it completed in such a short period. I just made assumptions about, oh, well, it's cool. Everyone's happy. You know, like mm. everyone appears to be happy. Yeah, because I, I grew up seeing my dad work that way, you know, and mum and dad survived, you know, Forever. So I just assume that's the way it is. It's all good. Mm. Just go for your life and work 15 hours a day, sleep on the floor at the office, which I used to do often. Wow. You know, sleep on the floor, wake up in the morning, get back to work. It wasn't, I mean, I wasn't doing like, you know, the Elon Musk thing, you know, sleeping five hours. I was sleeping six, seven hours on the floor. I'd had a pillow in there, sleep on the floor under the desk and uh, go back to work. Wow. And uh, I did that, did that a lot. Um, but that means you're neglecting your family. Mm. Um, the thing that I was the big thing the thing that I never miss though was taking the kids to footy on Saturday and Sunday they, yeah. they all played school rugby and rugby league yeah. on Sundays in the South Comp and, um, and I never never really missed any of those games yeah but equally too like I was a bit because I was so tired and so you know I don't know just distracted just, maybe just, yeah, mentally distracted yeah. with, or obsessed yeah. Probably in my business, I, know, I, I would go to the footy and I wouldn't socialise. So I'd stand at the other side of the field where the parents weren't. I wouldn't talk to them, and I'd sort of just watch the game. I just I went there to watch my boys play. Yeah, that was all. Yeah, but I didn't realise. You know, you got to socialise the other kids' parents, so the kids get invited to their house. To, yeah. You know what I mean? Like all yeah. that sort of stuff. You get, and then you get to know your kids better too, because mm. you get to know the parents. You get to see the other kids are like. So I wasn't great at that sort of stuff. Um, during that period, to be honest with you. And that was, you know, a long, you know, pretty significant part of my life. And um, certainly a significant part of my son's life, my boy's life as they were growing up. Mm. Um, and what's interesting now is I see my eldest, uh, my second eldest boy, he's got a boy, son, George, who's five at school. And the way he, uh, 
hangs with his son is completely the opposite to the oh, way wow. I hang. Yeah, yeah. And and you know my son's busy; he's got his own business. But and my other my other son's got a my oldest boy's got a, a, another son about to be born, and, a, and my other boy's got another son about to be born. So I have three grandsons. Mm. But the way they are, and I know the way they will be with their kids, is different to me. Mm. And uh, I think it's probably because of what they saw me go through. Yeah, well, yeah. or what I didn't do <laughs> for you, them. I don't think they regret anything. I, mm. I mean, they still love me, and you know, we're all mates and hang out and all that sort of stuff. But but I know that uh, they probably know a better way of fathering than I did. Mm. Less commitment to the business. Yeah, fathering is not just about providing. The fathering is about, or parenting is about providing, but not just money and things, mm. but um, communication, um, thoughts, uh, hugging your kids, being there, mm. not just at the footy, but where you choose. But being there, the things you probably don't want to be at. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's uh, it's it's really interesting because my dad worked his ass off too to provide for the family, and you know, he could he he would be literally falling asleep at the wheel driving us to training sometimes. Like, is that that tired? Um, and we didn't have that much money. And and when I growing up, always you know wished he was around more. And you don't understand, but it wasn't until I became a man that I realised that. He so his father was in underground mines when he was fourteen years old. No education. My my dad was the first one to actually go through high school in the family or whatever. And what the way I see it from a son's perspective is, he worked his ass off and sacrificed to give me the resources to be able to balance my business and life. And I think that he didn't have that opportunity because he was the only. He had no resources to get out of that kind of situation so i wonder whether you know you have set your children up where they have the ability to do that if you know what i mean yeah i i, I don't think they have any regrets they just take a view that they're going to uh, raise their kids differently mm. but where the what they missed out on was having a, a stable mum and dad mm. all through their lives so mm. um you know like as a result of getting divorced you know, then you got to go from mum to dad and dad to mum and all that shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's not perfect. So I, my gut feeling is they'll probably have much better long-lasting, long long-standing relationships, which their kids can see. Because I just yeah. think there's nothing. I don't, I don't, I reckon the ideal situation, like the, at the top of, the, 10 out of 10 is having mum and dad happy mm. at home. Yeah. With the kids growing up, especially when they're little. Mm. You know, like being going to a loving dad and a loving mum, like on different weeks, if the parents are separated or not together, that's an eight out of ten. Mm. It's, it's not a one; it's yeah. an eight. Yeah. But you know, for me, I would like to do everything ten yeah. if I can. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, I think my boys have sort of got that sort of same mindset. What is the, what is the world's best practice mm. for raising your kids? Yeah. And uh, and I think it's having mum and dad. Yeah. And dad. Participating as much as mum. Yeah. Like, I, I think dumb things. I never changed a nappy. Yeah, well, okay. I got a kid on the way, so I'm like, I don't want to change a nappy, but I'm <laughs> going to have to. Yeah, but I think it's, I actually think it's pretty good to do it. Like, you know, sure. you know and sure. uh, I, I've changed my grandsons and stuff like that. Like, yeah. uh, but I've, I never, and I thought about it, wow, I didn't do any of that sort yeah. of stuff. I was never there. Just the little things that. Uh, hey, the little things. Yeah. That, and I don't think kids ever remember whether you changed a nappy or not, but like, I was just never there. Yeah. My older son changed more of his brother's nappies than I did. Yeah, wow. Well, just working that hard. Yeah, I literally, mate, I, I, I would sleep in the office or I would come. If I did get home, it was 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, I would just eat shit, like whatever was available. Um, you know, weekends I would be in, back in the office. Mm. Too much. Yeah, it was actually yeah. too much. But, but, I, but I'm an intense sort of dude. I yeah. was, not so much these days, but I was obsessed, intense. Mm had a goal a vision you know and i'll say kerry packer like you know he was on my back like you know you got to do this son what about this and i thought oh shit okay i'm gonna do it mm. um it's probably like playing for wayne bennett you know like uh you got to go there and just do everything yeah. give it all yeah absolutely absolutely uh now quickly we've got before we let you go because um we're nearly running out of time celebrity apprentice how did that come out? Because that's where I personally first saw you all those years ago. <laughs> Just how did that come about? Well, because well, a mate of mine who's actually on the board of the Roosters, Mark Fennessy, he wasn't at the was not at the time, but uh, Fenno um, uh, uh, started or founded a business called Fremantle Media in Australia, mm. 
Now, Fremantle Media is a global business and it does, Fremantle Media all around the world does the Apprentice series. And I think at the time it was in 25 countries, okay? So they have Apprentice shows in 25 different countries. And um, Australia wanted to do it. And Fano knew I wasn't doing it at the time. This is in 2009. And he said, mate, you're interested in, um, I just set up Yellow Brick Road actually, but I wasn't really that busy. And he said, you want, you want to have a crack at a TV show called The Apprentice, which Donald Trump does? And I said, mate, I don't know about TV. I've never been on TV. And I, and I said, I don't know the show. I've never watched it. And he said, look, here, here's a DVD. Go <laughs> and watch it. Tell me. I watched about half and I thought, oh, well, whatever. I sort of get the idea of it. Didn't really like the way Trump sort of told people they're fired and he was bullied them around the joint yeah. a fair bit. And, uh, <laughs> and then he came and said, what do you think? I said, oh, yeah, I may have a great – he said, well, I'll get a – we'll do a pilot. Not a pilot. We're going to get a screen test. Yeah. And he said, well, we'll get some six actors in, three girls, three boys. You sit across the other side of the table. We'll get some cameras and, uh, you know, you can just sort of interview them for – effectively, they're going to end up working for you, the winner. Mm. And uh, I said, okay. So we did that and we – Hide out boardroom. I reckon about uh, two months later, they said to me, "Look, we this is like in June. Mm. Uh, we're going to start filming in July." I went, mm. "What?" They said, "We're going to start filming in July. It's, it takes ten weeks. Um, get ready." And I like I turned up to the f- studios out at um, Fox. The, they they you know fil- built a big studio, mm. which is supposed to look like a replica of my boardroom, which it sort of was, and. Uh, Next thing I know, I'm, I'm on doing TV show. Like uh, I literally had no, didn't have one rehearsal, not one. Oh my god! And uh, they and and uh, they just said, "No, just be yourself. Go on there." We had uh, twelve contestants, the very first one, and uh, six boys, six girls, and uh, and I just winged it and yeah, uh, took well, it from there. It was uh, that's how I got involved. I mean, I, it was just so, one of those things that happened, um, and. Uh, you know, we d- I did uh, six series, six uh, six series of the show over a six year period, and uh, you know, fifty odd episodes or something, fifty eight episodes, something like that. I can't remember exactly, but maybe sixty two two episodes. Had some unbelievable characters, interesting guys. You know, from rugby league players, AFL players, um, you know, politicians. You know, Pauline Hanson was on there. Um, Ex politicians, I should say at the time. Um, you know, TV stars, soapy stars. You know. Etc. We had all sorts of interesting people like on there. It was it was it was fun. It was yeah. really good. I really enjoyed it. But then, you know, got to the end of the series, the last series. Um, they didn't do it for a couple of years, and then uh, they decided to do it again. And I didn't want to do it anymore after that. And mm. um, they got Sir Alan Sugar out from England to do it. So he runs the the current series here in Australia. Mm. It's still on. I didn't even know it's still on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it, I don't know if they're going to do another series, but like it, it was, certainly was on, um, I think it might have been the beginning of this year or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who's the most impressive contestant that you've had where you've gone, that's, that's, he or she is a gun? Oh, Julia Morris. Okay. Yeah, Julia, for sure. Lady yeah. Julia. Um, she's funny. Um, she's really bright. She's quite adaptive. Um, she can read the room really well. Mm. In terms of the celebrities, at least, um, the, the very first one was not a celebrity one. So Andrew Morello won that. And Andrew, I, I knew in my own mind, in my sort of inexperienced mind at the time, that this guy is the guy I would employ. After I met everybody, maybe two two episodes, I knew he was the guy. Yeah, well. He would win it. Um, and he, his big personality, just fantastic what he did, funny, just a big personality. But you'd have him in your business, okay? And he worked for me for 10 years. So the deal was he had to wow. employ him. So I employed him for 10 years. 10 years. He left, he left after 10 years to run his own. He's got another business he runs now. But um, but in terms of the celebrities, um, I think Julie was by far, by far the best. And, and you know, in, in terms of television, because I got pretty experienced at, you know, hosting a TV show by then. Yeah. And um, in terms of television, you're always looking for people to, give you fillers because, you know, the show can sort of hit a dead spot. Yeah. And someone like Julia, she, she worked that out in a second and uh, she'd give you something funny or something quippy or uh, fast, uh, fast response. She always had lots of energy in everything she did. Like her, her energy levels would lift the show if it was going a little bit down. Yeah, and she wow. knew to do it. Yeah, wow. Just instinctively, she knew to do it. Yeah. And, um, but then on top of that, all the other contestants really liked her. So yeah. she was a good leader. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I, as I said earlier, she's good at reader. She read me, so that's important, you know, because they're trying to get, you know, at the end of the day, they're supposed to come work for me. Mm. Um, and 
so they're going to impress me. Yeah. It's like one big interview. Mm. And she was able to assess me, and I don't give her much. So she, her assessment of me was pretty good. Like, I, I can tell you now, I don't, they don't get one minute, not even 20 seconds with me. Wow. In the outside of the show. So my, my room, my studio room, yeah. is a long way away from theirs. Yeah. When I'm coming out of my studio to go into the, into the say, the boardroom, the security and clear the area that, so that no one's allowed to see me. They're not even allowed to see me. Wow. And I, I stand behind a, a sort of wall and I've got to come in when they're all set up like, you know, like school students yeah. basically sitting yeah. across the table. So they're not allowed to talk to me. Yeah. They don't have my number. They can't ring me. Um, they, can't, um, they can't ask to talk to me after. When, when I finish with them, mm. they go mm. and I go. And I go my direction, they go their direction. So, they, so therefore it's, they do that because it's really hard. It makes it, making it really hard for them to s- suss me out. Yeah. Because so, they're all trying to work out how to get close to me mm. so that I'll choose them yeah. or I won't fire them. Mm. And uh, so they can't play the games with me. So they start to play the games with each other. Yeah. So they try to set each other up yeah. and they form little groups and try and team someone out. Yeah, wow. And, uh, and, and my game is to try and work them out. Um, and, and, it's, and, it's, and the smart ones don't let you work them out. Like Julia came, comes across as the comedian, fun, loving, blah, blah, blah. But equally she's very strategic mm. in the nicest possible way. So for me she's the absolute standard. And look at it. Look, she's kicked a goal. She's on her own TV show now. Mm. She's been to it for a long, long time. Mm. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Um, and she's, she's done brilliantly. And, uh, and you, know, you know, it's funny. Like when she came to Australia, she was on the bones of her ass. She wouldn't mind me saying. Like she was in Can- uh, US trying to make it in the US as an Australian comedian. Mm. She did okay, but she was doing it tough. She had to come back to Australia and reinvent herself, mm. which is why people come on the show. And uh, and uh, made it all to him. So she reinvented herself and actually killed it from that point on. Yeah, wow. Had her own radio show. She's she's killed it, mm. mate. I honestly could got so much more to ask you, but you, you've got to uh, times up. Times, I mean, passed up. But first, I just wanted to say massive congratulations on your Order of Australia for significant service to finance industry. That's incredible. Thank you. That Thank is you. amazing. So I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I thought I knew kind of the whole thing, but I, what, what was that like to receive? Because that is, that's an, like your country to give, that's an honour. Yeah, no, that was pretty cool. Um, I, I think it was, for me, I, I, I uh, respect it. Mm. But for me, the best part of it was that I got to take my mum and dad to a uh, government house in, um, in um, uh, Botanical Gardens, yeah. like a big, big castle type thing. And the governor general's there, or the governor's there. And, uh, and mum and dad got to sit through feeling proud as punch of yeah. their son receiving an Australian medal, in particularly given they're migrants, you know, like that's a big yeah. deal. And uh, all suited up, they're all dressed up. And then they got to meet some important people outside and... Uh, I think the two big things for me in my life where I felt most happy, mm. as opposed to the day I received the cheque, I was relieved on the day I received the thing from G. So, but the two things in my life, apart from my kids, but that made me feel most fulfilled and um, probably pleased with myself was that day when I received the Order of Australia Medal and my mum and dad were there because I felt happy that mum and dad were there to see it. Yeah. It made them so proud yeah. of their son. And the other time that I feel similar was when I got, I, I got awarded a uh, doctorate of business um, at the uni- from the University of New South Wales. And uh, mum and dad were invited back to a special room where the Chancellor, Vice-Chancellor, got to talk to my parents. And my parents, uneducated. So for their son to receive a doctorate, um, f- you know, from the vice chancellor, and for my parents to be invited along with me mm. back to the to the room where the vice chancellor was, with there's only like six people in the room, was a big deal, especially for my mum, who was hell bent on me being educated, yeah, and not yeah. being like her and dad. 
Yeah. She dragged me to university. She enrolled me at the university. I didn't want to become a go to university. Wow. I wanted to become a brickie. I wanted to stay in the Canterbury Bankstown district. I wanted to um, play footy. I wanted to I, I just finish SG ball. I wanted to go on the Jersey flag. I wanted to go train with all my mates yep. and, and play for the Bulldogs, what mm. they were called the Berries in those days, and be a brickie and just work outdoors. Yeah. And be finished at three o'clock and go to train to Belmore. That was yeah. my life. That was my mother said, No, you're not doing that. You're going to enroll. I'm going to enroll in the University of New South Wales, and this is what you're going to do, and I mean, which she did, and because uh, she decided she wanted me to be, be educated, I didn't understand the importance of it at the time. But to see her son receive that award from the university forty odd years later, yeah. or something like that, you know. And I, I remember when I got my master's degree, I didn't even bother to go to the ceremony. Yeah, and my mother was like. So unhappy. She was heartbroken that I didn't go to the graduation. Mm. And when I got this thing mm. from the, I made sure I invited them. And they yeah. sat there and then they got invited by the vice chair. That was the biggest deal in my life. And, you know, I feel my mum has passed away since, but I feel so happy for her to have experienced that thing in her life. Oh, mate. Because mainly my mum has come from a musical family. They're all musicians, okay? Mm. And my mother wanted me to be a musician and she made me play piano. Like, so I learned piano from a very young age. Mm. But I, I don't once I hated it, but I wasn't any good at it. Like yeah. I, I could do it. Mm. I could read music, blah, 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 play all the music, classical music. You know, I played right up until, you know, the sixth grade of piano, which is quite high. Um, but I, I let it down because the moment I've finished HSC, I gave it away. I never touched the piano again. Wow. And she was happy, hoping I might be sitting there playing the <laughs> piano and she'd come around the house. <laughs> I don't know. And I never played the piano again. I, I play around with it now. I've got a piano, but I play around now. But... Yeah, so I, I, sometimes I felt like I was disappointed that I didn't invite her to my graduation, my master's degree. So th that was such a big deal for me. And uh, yeah. I finally matured and I finally worked out what was important to my parents. Mm. And then I, and that's the, the only small reward they ever wanted Yeah, was to attend a graduation. Wow. So two big deals for me, that and my Order of Australia. Wow, incredible. Well, I've got to let you go, but, um, you know, I've already thanked you, but thank you so much for all the work you do in regards to, you know, your entrepreneurship and teaching young people and older people to how to get involved in business. And I guess also what I love about the way you deliver your message is there's the practical side that you can get into, but it's also the motivational side of like, be brave, just have a crack. And I really, um, it really resonates with me. So thank you for everything you do, mate. Good luck to you, Dan. Thank you.